Rodgers, almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the man. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Our final Joe Patrick, are, are you ready for your close up? Oh no, are you are you looking at me right now? Oh my gosh, no, <laughs> no. Look, we got we got to get you TV ready. They're gonna have they, it might take a lot of work, but I think the yeah. good folks to live for radio. Are gonna... Face for radio over here. <laughs> of course, of course. <clears throat> now check out Joe Patrick. Joe Patrick's gonna be living a life here in a little bit. Uh, before sometime after we record this show, and, and probably sometime after this post, uh, go check that out. Jared Patrick, living alive in in the flesh, alive. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. On living alive, it'll be fun. It'll be cool. It'll be fun. It'll be cool. He'll probably talk some Atlanta United. Probably talk some Braves. Hope He'll probably talk some. I don't know what else he's going to talk about. Ohio State football, maybe. Who knows? We'll figure it out. <laughs> but uh, we're going to talk some Atlanta United here first, though. A couple of things to get to. Uh, thanks to Kurt Castle on intro music. The song is chances you, go check out the patreon patreon.com slash five stripe final the doctor episode is finally out with william manzeo who's a specialist up in cleveland who gave us a lot of insight into things like your gastroc muscle and how that affects your achilles mm-hmm. and other fun things that i've been saying to people to pretend i'm smart over the last <laughs> week ever since i did this episode right I uh, learned a lot about just the impacts of those injuries and everything like that. And real quick, Joe, any any quick takeaways to maybe kind of tease this out? I mean, it was pretty sad. It was pretty sad. Um, was. Some of the some of the takeaways. I would say that I, I I I'm continuing to hold on to faith that, especially in the case of Miles, the fact that mm. he is an elite athlete, the fact that he is getting the premium of premium treatment from like the second that it happens. It's not like some normal Joe, you know, tearing their Achilles and then mm. going through some like normal process that would happen to everybody else. He's getting the premium treatment. And so I'm still holding out hope that he will be able to come back. I mean, we we do see elite athletes come back from this thing. Kevin Durant has come back and is still the best player in the NBA or, or one of them. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm still holding out hope, but the Achilles injuries, man, those things are uh, pretty brutal, especially yeah, for no, an older I, player, which is unfortunate for Atlanta United's players. Exactly. I ended up even more spooked about it, yeah. you know, potentially happening to me. The, the good news is for, for me at the young age of 26, it usually doesn't happen to people about that age. Miles is 25 is a pretty rare case to have your Achilles go like that. Obviously yeah. it's going to have a little more potential happen with the, a top level athlete who's putting more strain on it than the average person. Right. But still a young age you, for it to happen, which is both equal like parts ten, concerning like and encouraging before it'll, it'll mm-hmm. come for you. <laughs> exactly. Great. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully then I'll have, by then I'll have health. The good insurance. thing is the good uh, thing, you don't see it coming. You don't see it coming. It's just, exactly. it just happens out of nowhere. And it, so, and apparently it feels like that too. Apparently it feels yeah. like you just get kicked in the yeah. back of the leg out of nowhere. Yeah. So, Bad news maybe for for Brad, right? It, it's tough to recover from those things when you're you're older. You lose a lot of muscle mass Especially, in your calf, yeah. it sounds like. And for a goalkeeper who just, really has to like yeah. leap, you know, that's it's tough. So a whole lot of interesting stuff there. I learned a lot in that interview. Go check that out. We'll have stuff coming up as well. We're planning on getting a, a few extra interviews uh, throughout the next couple of weeks, especially as we kind of angle towards an international break coming up. A few things to maybe discuss there. Maybe some NWSL stuff. Maybe some talks with some former players. Maybe possibly we, we have some things coming up. We think, yeah, right. We don't want to promise too much, but we want to put that out there. Yeah. And, and of course, you can join the world famous 
you know, Five we, we, we might have to get Felipe on too. I mean, I he was Jones and he, 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 he got in on the DSS spaces. So I think he's, uh, I think that's a sign that he's wanting to, uh, <laughs> he wants, he wants to get on chat. It's funny because we have great talks with Felipe when we're at the training ground, but um, it's always fun mm-hmm. to, to get him on the show to kind of bring out some of our discussions out to the public realm. So we might mm-hmm. have to look to get him on too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got to get that. Got to Joe Patrick. Got to get our cardio in. The media game is on June 9th. I hope you're ready. We're, we're only a couple weeks away now. Again, I'm terrified. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, Especially going on to uh, probably the Atlanta United turf over there at the training ground. So we'll see. But uh, hey, we did learn again that uh, turf. Not really. Not really. Yeah, not, not, the turf. Like, not the like turf. Not the turf. Kind of said. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a big thing. Right. So a whole lot of good stuff there. We'll have it all coming your way. A whole lot of good stuff to talk about right now. Joe Patrick in a very extended segment of Business Time. Business Time, Joe Patrick. The salary guides are here. They're here, yes. Joe. They finally it's like Christmas made it. for MLS nerds like us. What a what a what a goofy thing we get to look through <laughs> and point and laugh at things like Jordan Shakiri for eight million dollars a year. Is it is it, is it unseemly for us to like talk about salaries like this? I mean, we're gonna do it regardless. I'm not saying that like we're not, but is it like is it bad? Because so you as a member of of the working class need to brush off these bourgeoisie <laughs> feelings of not being able to share salaries and talk about them with other people so we can all collectively rise up against the people keeping that's us right. down. I think the same is the case for the MLS players. And I think that's exactly why the MLSPA puts this out there. <laughs> so uh, there can be some accountability in the public eye as far as these salaries go. Well, I, I I used to never think twice about it. And then Gaynor McCann really came at me on Twitter and I think blocked me and all that stuff when I was talking about Chris McCann's salary on the old <laughs> On the old app, so uh, be careful. Be careful app, huh? where you start going oh. off on players earning over <laughs> over earning versus uh-huh. their on field value. <laughs> Although Chris Let's McCann see. might not be the worst player to have right now in the squad, but that's another that's another. Oh, topic. That's fascinating. We we may need to unpack that on like a four hour Patreon episode. Well, it's just it's what? just like it's like. Uh, there's it, there's got to be some sort of Bill Simmons theory about having like Chris McCann on your team who's just like the guy who's supposed to suck who probably who does suck Doesn't, but somehow like makes right. the team better in some weird way. I love it. Yeah, no, we'll think about it more. We'll yeah. think about it more and and avoid Gainer on on the bird app. Yes, just avoid the bird app in general. Yeah, well, let's not. Yeah, right. A uh, whole lot of things to talk about with this. I was maybe not really surprised by some of it. Yeah. I did kind of have to giggle at some of it just because there is so much weird like it's not quite dead cap, but it's like players who are technically just like on team MLS essentially is how they're listed, (laughs) but are still technically being paid by Atlanta United at this point. Uh, For example, Jurgen Dam, who is like, yep. 1.6 1.6 million right <laughs> it's, so it's, bad. <laughs> it's absurd so that was concerning everything else is that Barco I, I still on the book there you know still technically yep so it, everything else though I, I think largely checked out with what we kind of had in mind the most notable one I think of course was we finally got to see Brad Gazan's pay cut Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And it's about what we had kind of thought, but maybe even a little more. Uh, the three hundred forty six hundred thousand dollar 
pay cut for Guzan. It's like almost in I, half. I, it's almost it's like it's almost maybe forty percent or yeah, for about a forty percent mm-hmm. reduction roughly. Totally. Um, and again, he I think we've said this before, but he was really good last year for large chunks of the season. Mm-hmm. And the statistics back that up, of course. So you know, at about 445k for for that kind of production from a goalkeeper, that would check out in MLS in theory if things hadn't gone horribly wrong yeah. here a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. I gotta say, one of the ones that really jumped out to me just when I first saw the list was uh, Franco Abara. Get paid, young man. He's making five hundred twenty thousand dollars this year, which is way more than I thought he would be on. I mean, I didn't even realize mm-hmm. he was on three seventy last year, but I mean, he's one of the biggest increases on the team in terms of you know where they were last year compared to this year he's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar increase uh another one of the big increases is alan franco and i think that you know i'm curious as to like how these manipulations happen where if it like are these changes structured into their deals when they sign uh i assume they are but uh, it's very interesting to see just how some of them, some people have like big increases. Some people have slight increases. Some have decreases. Uh, so Alan Franco on six hundred and sixty-six, uh, six six seven five hundred, which sounds to me like it could be near some sort of maximum threshold. Seems oddly like <laughs> round of a number there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then uh, what was it? One of the other? Oh, Brooks Lennon also had a big increase up to uh, 500k from the 375 he was at. So I think that's kind of more in line with you know what a guy like Julian Gressel was going to make. Um, but Atlanta yeah. obviously got a little bit of a pay cut there on those first couple of years of Brooks. Well, you also got to talk about too, and I thought this was super interesting as well. Emerson Hindman had yeah, a big that was an interesting chunk one. taken out. Uh, losing about 242k there it was uh, reported like what like he was reportedly initially 50k i think yeah he was supposed to go up to like 950 or even like a million mm-hmm. like he was supposed to get up to that at some point during his contract i'm not sure i don't think the injury would affect that um mm-hmm. but yeah i'm not sure why why that would have happened maybe he was on some sort of similar pay cut as to like what guzan did that's always possible because we I think it was just reported by somebody. I can't remember. Who. I think it was an athletic report. Okay. It was, it was, you know, it's athletic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, so I, I would imagine something changed between that report and, and now to lead to that kind of decrease. So interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Do we ask Emerson up front about it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We got to get through that talking about salaries in the workplace <laughs> thing first. Right. right. Uh, and then one of the other just overall highlights or notable things uh, from this player salary guide is that um, Atlanta United had like the highest payroll of MLS, which I don't think is like that noticeable, notable, but it was a talking point around the league. But I think it's to be expected, of course, when you have players that are out on loan who are still on your books. That's going to be a thing, but I obviously uh, or honestly don't think that it's a bad thing for your team to be like the paying the most in a salary cap league. Like, isn't that what you want? It, don't you want it, your owner theory, to be stretching it as theory. much as possible? Are, hey, Joe Patrick, let's name the top five teams in MLS by salary right now. Oh, Atlanta United, Galaxy, Inner Miami, New England, Chicago, Inner Miami. Wow. Chicago. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, the refs are getting better. The Galaxy are totally mid and have a bunch of old dudes uh yeah that, then we kind of get into a range that makes a lot of sense you got seattle nycfc toronto fc dallas crew lafc cincinnati they 
look, it's not a bad thing. It just doesn't look necessarily great for the rest of the league to see a ton of spending going on and not a whole lot of results coming from that spending for a couple of reasons. One, because other owners see that and go, well, we don't even have to do anything because, you know, we could be like Atlanta United and not spend and spend all that money and not get all that many points. Right. Mm hmm. Why do that when we could spend little money and still get lots of points? Shout out Colorado. You, you know what might be a player that is providing maybe the most value compared to it? You got to kind of throw out the designated players because they're in a different category in terms of like value versus what they're getting paid. Andrew Gutman making 331K this year. I mean, that is extremely good value, I think, um, because mm, he's proven to be one of the most valuable players for this team so far this season. Exactly. There's just exactly. another one. Yeah, yeah. Eric Lopez yeah, yeah. on the other end of that spectrum, making 528k oh, for a player goodness. who's on loan. Uh huh. I think I think he might have also been listed in the guide as like Team MLS too. Um, it's <laughs> maybe not a super encouraging, right? Yeah. Uh, interesting to look at the midfield numbers. I think in particular, they're all kind of around a very similar range, especially for the, the international guys. Osetu, 662. Santi 643 we talked about Ibarra uh what 520 and then you have Marcy uh 460k Mm -hmm. right so it's interesting that Marcy's down at the bottom there you want to talk about good value Marcy on 460k you know even with his higher transfer fee and everything like that that's that's really really solid yeah he's been on lower wages than I think a lot of people including myself um have thought about just because of what you said the transfer fee the initial dp tag exactly exactly yep yep and then mateus rosetto is also an interesting one the one that i find interesting about him is he is a big spread between his quote-unquote base compensation which is 550 and then his what is it guaranteed compensation which is 662 i think so Mm -hmm. um i don't know where i don't know what that means essentially but i think you (laughs) <laughs> He's on the books for 662, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And then another one, you were talking about the midfielder, Santiago Sosa, also at 643. So um, it's definitely where they've kind of elected to allocate a lot of their resources. Uh, you know, they use the 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 designated player slots for the, you know, the, the three attacking players, the three big attacking players, Joseph Martinez, Tiago Amada, and Luis Araujo. Mm-hmm. And then they spend a lot of el- other money on the midfield. And then I think they use a lot of their homegrowns, that kind of thing on their defenders. That seems to be kind of the yeah. the way Atlanta has gone about constructing their squad. Which is a pretty totally valid mm-hmm. way to do that. Totally. Yep. You know, yep. and an effective way to do that in a lot of cases around the league is as long as you're, you know, you one, obviously you got to hit on those guys too. They've got to have some kind of personal attributes that fit within the system you're aiming for. Right. Yeah. And that's the tougher part of all of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, but the numbers themselves seem largely fine. There's nothing egregious here. I don't think besides the, the, the dead weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Besides agree. that, everything else, I, I, we don't have a Chris McCann. We don't have a, even even Emerson has a pay cut now. We can't even do that bit anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're losing all our bits. And you're getting some really good value. Caleb Wiley, 67k on a you know young player oh, homegrown yeah. deal. Um, Amar Sadich has played a bunch this year, only on 85k. Uh, Dom Dwyer also in the 80s. Alex DeJohn in at that 85k mark. So you know it's kind of unfortunate that Atlanta has been forced into needing to get on field value from some of these guys, but. You got to, you know, hand it to them. They are, I think, 
playing you know well above that value that they're receiving on the books so the only reason we go into this stuff is because it is important to maximize the amount of value you get versus the amount of value you're you know paying out to these players so uh, none of this Mm -hmm. is obviously personal it's just kind of a an interesting evaluation of um seeing how well your resources were allocated Exactly. Exactly. You know, GMs have to view players as numbers on a spreadsheet sometimes. And we kind of have to as well when we're kind of evaluating what's happening with the team. So. All considered. Yay. Luck, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> right. The only the worst thing Atlanta has done here is be first in total compensation, because that just leads to you getting memed when you don't win. That is correct. Yeah. So, that is you know, the bad you part. Don't, about- you, you don't you don't want to set yourself up for that. You never do. You never do. We do want to set ourselves up, though, Joe Patrick, for a quick break. Before we get back into the show, did just want to. Uh, what the. Oh my. Power through it. Oh my God. Before we get back into the show, I did just want to remind everybody that the presenting spot, the presenting partner of Five Stripe Final is Lucid FC. That's Lucid Footwear and Clothing. You can find them online at lucidfc.us oh my gosh this is a disaster not lucid fc i am a disaster right now just trying to push through this um join lucid fc every weekend for events at the interlock on 14th street and howell mill stick to the script joe noon to 5 p.m there's a very special community market on may 28th that's coming up this coming week with exclusive activations and businesses from all over atlanta commerce together learn something about our city and try something new vendors from fashion painters food and our personal favorite, the natural body products, all local and open for commerce and good vibes. So if you go bring good attitude, uh, it's the most popular market in Atlanta. That's one, 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 five Howell Mill Road from 12 to 5 p.m. At one, one more Saturday left this month again on May 28th, uh, exclusive collection releasing on May 28th at the market. So that's the, the big deal this coming week. Um, made from 100% natural recycled cotton, which kind of fits in with the uh, whole sustainability thing with Atlanta United's kit. I don't know if that was part of this at all, but uh, anyway, there you go. Lucidfc.us, and you can use DSS as your season-long shipping code, so don't remember, don't forget to do that. Gonzalo, I know you're listening. Use DSS for your for your Lucid shipping yeah. <laughs> code. We gotta get you. We gotta get you on some Lucid. Look, if you're gonna go out there wearing he the, the your boss, yeah, you know, with with the jeans and, and the white sneakers, that's uh, we can get you some Lucid. Man. Yeah, just hit us up. Just hit us up. I think I think, I think you would like Lucid. It's kind of a style. It's like that. It did look a little. <laughs> I do have to comment on this. Just the fact that the front of his shirt just said "boss" on it. It was kind of <laughs> like, well, yeah, <laughs> we know, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it was a choice. I liked it a lot, though. I only got to see it for about twenty minutes, though. I was gonna say, uh, speaking, was yeah, I was gonna say, speaking of seeing it for only a short time, I want to hear your story because you were, of course, there. You were there expecting uh, a great game. I was watching it at home, of course, and I got to say, the atmosphere looked incredible. And it's really a shame that the whole rain delay happened because it looked like it was popping off. Everything looked awesome. Yeah, the the last sixteen or hours or so for me have been the equivalent of Joe's initial lucid ad read today. Just kind of a mess and and all over the place and nothing really working out the way I, I really wanted it to. Look, no, it, we uh, went up with my girlfriend. We had a good time in Nashville. We just kind of got around the city. I, I dragged her into and out of the horrors of Broadway for a brief moment before we went and did other much more fun things besides just 
experiencing some of the worst of Nashville, <laughs> but you've got to do it right. You've got to do it at least once or twice just to be there. You know, I got to the stadium and had a blast. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Worst. What? So, so what is this specifically that you're describing here? Worst of Nashville. You talking like, uh, like woo! you talking about like Big Bang? Like, do woo! it's just woo! <laughs> all down the street like over and over again bars. on pedal bars. You have pedal fire trucks now. You got pedal the song like wagon buses. wheel. There's a song wagon wheel playing through every other door you walk past. You've got Kid Rock's big ass rock and roll honky talk steakhouse and monster truck driver emporium. Mm-hmm. You have you have a lot of the 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 you go into the depths of humanity there and, and some <laughs> folks don't come back out you just come back out with a jimmy buffett shirt on and a margarita mixer and you never escape uh, but fortunately we, we didn't stay around long enough for it uh, we, we got out but you got to experience it right you oh, gotta yeah. go down and, oh yeah and, and, and see it um but um eventually ended up at the stadium and it's uh it's really neat it's really really cool and i feel I feel robbed of the experience, yeah. frankly, that we were about to have because that thing was sold out and filled to the brim. And there was this great mix of Atlanta United fans and national fans who were very cordial. There was a really good energy to it. You could tell that like no one really liked each other. Right. But at the same time, was like just kind of glad to ha- be in the atmosphere. It's a decent rivalry know? building up. I was just thinking about that this morning. It is. It is. I, re- I really enjoyed just the general energy of it for sure. For sure. Uh, national folks were great. Uh, we went down to a couple of tailgates and some folks handed me and my girlfriend a beer, which was good. And uh, it was just really friendly. I got to see some people in the concourse who listen to the show, which is sweet. Uh, got to see Soccer Moses and talk to him for a little oh, bit. Nice. He's doing great. There's a big old Soccer Moses, like, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, like the big pictures of players that hang up on the sides yeah. of the stadium? Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, it's like Hani Mukhtar, Walker Zimmerman, Soccer Moses. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's amazing on the side of the stadium. I cackled when he saw it. I still I, love <laughs> I still love the tradition of having the uh, guitar riff to open the, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the game. That, that, that's super cool. <laughs> they have the pyrotechnics going. I got to mention that Soccer Moses uh, said that the side of the Nashville stadium has three DPs. It's just two are designated players. One is the designated prophet. Right. Ah. So uh, Soccer Moses is the, is the third DP. Um everything was awesome we had a really good time uh, in that first part and then the temperature dropped about 14 degrees the oh, really up and we started to see flashes of lightning and realized pretty quickly that things were not going to continue anytime soon yeah uh, so it was just brutal for uh, i was just thinking just for nashville the club it's gotta be so brutal because mm-hmm. that game was supposed to be this big showcase of the new stadium you know on national television the big yeah. fox which you know mls doesn't even get that many games and you know uh, equally brutal for mls as a whole mm-hmm. um just a i mean i already shame. had i already had nashville folks i mean we were what 20 minutes into it, and I already had nashville folks saying this is louder than the opener really this is the loudest wow. game we've had you know and it, it felt like it you know the, the noise have you ever seen washington's football stadium the Huskies. No. Oh, yes. yes, got, yes, yes. What, well, I've seen. Yeah. I mean, from NCAA, I know it. Of course. Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so yeah. you'll notice that on the on the the two <laughs> stands, right, there's this big roof overhanging yeah. both stands. And Nashville kind of has a miniature version on all four sides. It's just this metal roof that's angled back towards mm. the field to kind of keep sound in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is constantly 
loud. Of course, they got the safe standing section, everything like that, but it's constantly loud. And so to 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 miss out on what that atmosphere would have been in a, a less terrifying uh, weather situation. Uh, I feel I feel robbed of it. And I think that that so. atmosphere really got the teams up. I thought that the the, mm-hmm. the soccer that we did see before the break was it was lively. It was open. It was a, it was looking like it was going to be a really good game. I mean, it was a good game uh, afterwards. But those first 20 minutes, I thought, were just was really great. And I think that the whole atmosphere in that stadium was a big part of it. But um, then we yeah. had to wait. We had to wait, and so we waited, and we waited, and of course the the SGs were good and did the SG thing of just going absurd in the concourse during the rain delay. You got to. Mm-hmm. It's just the the standard protocol for this, uh, so that was good. Uh, but, I mean, everyone was just... No one's phones worked. Well, that's right? what I was going to so. say. Is like, that's the problem with a delay that long where phone batteries start going down and then people are like, all right, yeah, I can't no. do it. Well, I mean, we, we couldn't even get service at that point because the, the Wi-Fi in the stadium oh, was overflowed. Right. right. So everyone was like sitting there like playing rock, paper, scissors and, and like doing the wave. At one point, the wave got a big cheer. At one point, some lady ran out on the field and got tackled I real saw hard. that video. Oh, my God. So. She definitely hit her head like on the ground uh, when she got hit. Uh, 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 were you ever in swim team as a kid? No. So I was on swim team as a kid, which is basically the way for a parent to just like get rid of you out of the house for a few hours every day. And uh, mm-hmm. the swim meets were just like the most brutally boring things on the face of the earth. And the whole the whole it, it, the, the swim meets were less about actually swimming and it was more about how are you going to ideally occupy the the hours and hours that you're waiting between when you're swimming. So you you come up with all different games to play and uno and like card games all this so that's what i was actually envisioning that all the fans were like trying to do while they were trying to wait (laughs) this thing out but it was close it was close uh people were just like shining lights at each other from across like the two stands Mm. it was that level of boredom (laughs) that's pretty boring (laughs) uh so uh, we eventually caved. We, we understood that like a couple of, of more like storm bands were coming through and that the game might not be played at all. Uh, our luck. We left. It's about a 30 minute drive back to where we were staying. Uh-huh. Right. It's 30 minutes, 30 minutes, almost exactly to the point from the last lightning strike to when they resume the game. When we pulled into the driveway, the game restarted. We left at the very <laughs> last lightning strike <laughs> near that damn stadium uh, uh so we missed the rest of the game um <laughs> had to hustle back home this morning for something that got canceled uh the fucking oil barons are, are committing human rights abuses and winning premier league titles i'm not mad no one say hey, i got mad Mosala stole half of hungman's son's golden I'm, boot. I'm, I'm willing to share so. that part i'm willing to share that part so uh, maybe not the best weekend on, on my end. Yeah. The last that sounds bit. brutal. That sounds brutal. Uh, but did kind of catch up on the game itself. Well, and my takeaway is that what 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 the what can you possibly take away yeah. from any of that mess? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough because it, and I think it's pretty. Um, there, there's something to the fact that there was like three goals scored within the first, you know, what mm-hmm. ten minutes of the game having restarted. They were all what I would call silly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially the first two were like clearly off of just mistakes, pressure and mistakes from teams, which I think is to be expected when you've been sitting around for three hours. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, t- I kind of agree with you. But just to go through them, the 24th minute first goal went to Nashville or Rosetto. 
hospital ball that got dispossessed in the middle of the field. And then, there, you know, so on the commentary, Stu Holden and um, was it Alexi Lawless and who else was up in there in the booth? They were they were critical of uh, of Alan Franco on this one for kind of you know not being clear in his mind as to what he was going to do whether staying back on Sapong or coming up to close the ball and close on the ball on Mukhtar mm-hmm. it's a tough situation for him I mean That's he, tough situation. you're yeah. you're in a bad situation no matter which one you pick he tried to do his best to try to fool Mukhtar and you know make him think twice and maybe you know um get him into making a mistake, but that's how Nashville scored the first goal. And then obviously Atlanta did something very similar, you know, two minutes later with a high press, Joe Willis made a mistake, bad pass. Marcelino Moreno ends up with the ball, slides it over to Tiago Amada who taps it in. And then Nashville, I think this was the bad one. Uh, Nashville then takes the lead five minutes after Atlanta equalized. With something very, very simple, an overhit cross that kind of switched the play, but Atlanta still had pretty much their whole team back in the, you know, in their defending defensive third. And they just did not close anyone down in those wide areas. And I forget who it was that hit the cross, but it was just a simple cross from someone mm-hmm. who didn't had no pressure on the ball to CJ Sapong at the back post, who was matched up against Brooks Lennon and Brooks Lennon <laughs> has absolutely no chance in that situation. No. Um, and, you know, Sabong out leaves him, gives the goal to Nashville two one. So disappointing to see that, considering Atlanta's struggles as of late. Not being tall enough continues to be a problem hmm, yeah. for Atlanta United, and I don't know what we're gonna do about it. We've said this before, you know. And um, going forward and going up against teams that that play two forwards, you know, or, or have target guys like that is going to continue to be a problem. That just is what it is at this point. That being said, you can't make it quite that easy to play the ball in like Atlanta did. There was just so much space there. Yeah. You know, if if you're not gonna be able to teach tall, you should at least be able to teach closing down on the wings. Yeah. So that that's my biggest thing there. Yeah, totally. And then I think honestly one of the most most important things to come out of this game was uh, Andrew Gutman getting hurt right before halftime. He mm-hmm. looked pretty serious. He was making like the motion with his hands like something had come apart um like signaling that he may have strained something either in like a hamstring or potentially a groin. So Hopefully that's not bad, but the fact that he was subbed out immediately after that going to start the second half is not a good sign. Yeah, Gonzalo talked about it some after the game, just said that they don't really have a diagnosis, of course, yet because it was immediately after the game, but said it was kind of like on the outside of his quad, okay, maybe so kind of I near the hip. That would be the abductor, the same muscle mm-hmm. that uh, George Campbell is is dealing with. Yeah, so that, that could potentially be an issue, and you know, it's one of those week to week, day to day things. And, and poor Gutman keeps kind of piling up little knocks here yeah. and there. And he might just need, he's going to get a break in a little bit either way with the international break, but he just might need a, a little bit of a longer break in general, which Atlanta can't really afford to give in a lot of ways because of how effective and important he is to what they do. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly the best left back on the team. So it's like, you know, yeah. as with any position, when you have a player who's clearly the best at their position, it becomes very hard to just rest them <laughs> to get to, just to give mm-hmm. them time because you're going, it means you're going to clearly like a, you know, not so great option, but give credit to Ronald Hernandez came in the second half. They'd changed the shape around a little bit, but he seemed to play relatively well. I thought the second half was pretty boring for the most part. I'm not, again, I'm not even sure how much of it you saw, Sam, but um, to me, <laughs> I, I couldn't watch any of it all through my white hot rage. So <laughs> yeah. as soon as I figure out how to see through that, balls are burning. Know. Yeah, no, to me, it was like very game statey, which is like Nashville was content to pretty much sit back, be organized 
organized in their defensive shape, let Atlanta try to do as best they can to possess and break them down. But because Nashville is very good and organized under Gary Smith, they just they didn't. Atlanta didn't create that many great chances, probably no, not a ton of great chances at all, basically, for most of the second half. Uh, and Nashville was able to counter and, and get some decent opportunities, but that's the risk that Atlanta had to take. Uh, and then, of course, Atlanta did make the breakthrough very late on, thanks to Dom mm. Dwyer finishing off uh, a move, started with an incredible pass from Tiago Amada. Just once again, mm-hmm. I said this last week on the show, but I'll say it again here. It's not just the technique that it took from Almada to to make the pass to Lennon, but it was the vision to be able to mm-hmm. know that that was possible <laughs> to, to to make, and then Lennon takes it first touch squared to Dwyer. It, it, I, I think I mentioned this last time too. It's very Liverpool esque. These kind of outlets he's finding to play these balls over the top and kind of swing these balls in the primary assist zones. And my favorite yeah. part is this is is along with Almada being able to find a player in the primary system like that on a diagonal switching the field is that Brooks played the ball immediately. Yes. And that's what we've yes. been begging him to do. Yep. Been begging him to hit that one time and he hit it the first time, had an easy runner in Dwyer and you kind of, you can look at the XG chart. There's little chance, little chance, little chance, little chance, bunch of cluster, little chances, and then just shoots way up with this massive, what is this? 78.66% chance for uh, Dom Dwyer. So 0.78 XG there uh it's a huge clear-cut chance yeah yeah and do you have omadas from the first half i I imagine his goal that he scored was also a a pretty big chance a little lower because he was kind of further back and still had a couple people to get back or by uh 0.32 0.32 on a shot is i mean that's still that's still a big chance that's That's a clear (laughs) cut chance that just shows how big us being a 0.78 is pretty much like as good as a goal i mean so in the end atlanta with 1.9 xg national 1.5 it's 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 a performance of two clear cut chances. You love performances with two clear cut chances, you know, mm-hmm. and in theory, a few more of the smaller chances would go in on a different day. And you know what? You get out of Nashville with the draw after a weird three hour rain delay. I, I think you take it and maybe you don't take away much else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if we're taking any questions, but I, I did see one uh, actually from Kelly Francis, who kind of threw this out there that I saw on Twitter today, which was, you know, questioning whether Don Dwyer should be starting for the team, uh, considering he has produced with goals at, at a pretty decent clip, at least when he's not getting red cards. And um, I would just say that, you know, Ronaldo Cisneros really does set the tone for this team, even if he's not scoring goals. It's very much his ability to press and make the runs in mm-hmm. behind that creates so much space for his teammates. So there's a lot more to it than just putting the ball in the back of the net. But credit to Dom for, for doing that. Yeah, Dom's, I, I think that's a totally fair question to ask, uh, considering what Dom has done when he's been on the field. I, but, but I think you're right, especially when it comes to the pressing and to just kind of keep an eye on it kind of throughout the the games is really fun because he's recognizing pressing triggers Mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of other players kind of haven't for Atlanta United and it seems like the team is picking up on it more and more when balls are played back and those pressing triggers that Gonzalo is asking them to recognize are being activated you know and it happened a few times in those first 20 minutes against Nashville and it nearly led to some pretty solid chances you know, um, there were there was one time where I giggled because Andrew Gutman tracked someone way too far central and Atlanta nearly got burned on the wing when a Nashville player picked up the space. Mm-hmm. But besides that, it looked 
pretty effective. I mean, Gonzalo talked in the media availability he had last week leading into this game, how important Cisneros is for, you know, setting the line of confrontation, as he calls it. But, you know, he he his, what he does off the ball is very important for this team. And it, it's so important. It's something that I think that. You know, when you look at Joseph's return, I think that that's something that the team is going to lose a little bit, to be perfectly honest, is just the energy that Ronaldo Cisneros brings off the ball in some of those situations. And Sam, I know that you've pointed it out because I think you've posted some videos over the last few games from Atlanta, but they had a just, you know, two or three or four excellent, excellent moments of pressure in this game, just like mm-hmm. from the front pressuring. And there's nobody there with who doesn't have a man on their back and force a turnover and regain possession. When we talked about this team at the beginning of the season, what their tactical identity might look like under Gonzalo Pinedo through the lens, essentially of what has Seattle looked like when they've been effective and how can that translate to what Atlanta United is doing? The ideas that kind of kept coming back around were moments of of sustained pressure like that, uh, followed by moments of possession and those kind of interchanging and, and kind of switching based on the way the game was going um, throughout the, the the course of the season, right? And to see them finally be able to really activate those moments of pressure when they want to and, and to have those kind of maybe like 10, 15-minute chunks where they're really putting pressure on the ball and putting pressure on the other team, um, if they can start to couple that with a little more game control and a little less mistakes mm-hmm. at the back, that does start to look really Soundersy, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, it and it can be effective for this team, you know, so encouraging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for as frustrating as the season has been, and I think that, you know, the result, even though it was a draw and I think that obviously the way the game went, you're very happy to, to take a point out of it. I felt like the three points were there for Atlanta coming into the game, just based on the fact that Nashville's played a ton of games recently and had played a game midweek where Atlanta didn't. So I thought that Atlanta would have some advantages here. Um, and I think you, that you, that's why you did see Atlanta really piling on the pressure toward the end of this game. I know there were a lot of uh, fans that were also <laughs> mad at Ted uncle for blowing the whistle when he did. Cause Atlanta had a, <laughs> had a, had a break on, but um, you know, I think that for as many frustrations have, as there's been for this team this season, I still hold out hope because of some of these things like you just mentioned, Sam, that there are building blocks still there for this team to, you know, hang their hat on and, and try to utilize as much as they can and improve on. Um, which, mm-hmm. When you talk about Joseph possibly returning, when you talk about what they can potentially do in the transfer market, you got to open U 22 slot as of this point. So, you know, there's still, there's still ways that this team can improve going forward. Clearly they need to get some of these defensive issues sorted out, especially, with what we've talked about for the last few weeks, the crosses, the set pieces, all that stuff. But I, I continue to see green shoots with this team. It's exciting. It is. It is. Uh, I still wonder about the ceiling. That can change pretty quickly in MLS with just a couple signings. We did have a couple questions about that. Uh, ATL Greg one asked, looking ahead to the summer window, what would be your plan uh, now that we have a small subset of games post major injuries? And Rubber Anchor asks, we finally have a consistent starting 11. If you can make only one change to it based on our existing roster, what would it be? Right. Uh, I think the obvious answer here is center back, yeah, right? Yeah. That's uh, for it's me. Just that. No. Yeah. It's for me, it's a center back, but it's tough. It's, it's tough one because are you bringing in a, a top quality center back to kind of take the helm for half a season? Like, like what exactly is the plan there at center yeah. back? 
how, and what's the mechanism you use to, to get him in? Because right. the, there's not a whole lot of space yeah. necessarily. And, and bringing I, in a young center back could be a questionable yeah, one. U22 you know? center yeah. back could be an option. Like, it's just a choice, you know? Trying to go out to like Argentina and pluck uh, like a, you know, a 21 year old center back and think that that player would be able to just like slot right into the first team and be one of your, you know, top choice center backs. It's easier said than done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so what's, what's the plan? We have no idea. Right, yeah, we have exactly. no idea right. what the, <laughs> the actual room on this roster is, but, it, but I think if we had to pick a, a hole to fill right now, it'd be at center back with just a, a steadier presence. Yeah. Having said that, that, credit to, it's not, it's not even, that, it's not even like a huge criticism of Alex DeJohn either. He's been actually, very oh, very no, no, solid no. since he's come honestly, in. Right. I mean, I know. honestly, we're if you wanted thinking, to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to replace anybody, it might be Alan Frank. Yeah. I don't know. Which is so uh, tough because, like, you know, he's so good in certain situations, and you know, he's he's he's, <laughs> he's very much an on-ball defender and very good with the ball at his feet. I mean, he was doing <laughs> he was going like YOLO uh, toward the end of that game, just yeah. like carrying the ball. He almost looked like he was playing more as a fullback and he was going he was literally carrying the ball way forward and playing more like a midfielder. And Franco Ibarra uh, was dropping back or um, other players were dropping back to cover him in defense. But, yeah, they just yeah. got to figure out a way to to pair Alan Franco with somebody that um, that gets the most out of him, you know, that that highlights his strengths and kind of hide some of his weaknesses because he certainly has his weaknesses can we trade bad alan franco for good alan I franco know, right can we just make yeah. that like a full-time deal uh, let's talk about that let's unpack that for a second though his weaknesses and covering that up right and i think like if you had to think about it you know it'd be a guy like miles mm-hmm. who could pick up for those mistakes just with his athletic ability and his ability to recognize the game and everything like that mm-hmm. you can't get a miles back i, I don't know where you kind of steer after that my my guess that would be a more athletic center back yeah uh, a little more speedy well and and the other times that we've seen alan franco played his best he's played in the back three you know when he's got another yeah. center back back there so and that kind of allows him maybe not to it maybe allows him to to find his matchups better when he's off the ball to, to find his mark better when he's off the ball and um yeah, just just highlights what he's able to do. But we've both had our issues with the way that the team performs when they aren't a back three. So I'm not even certain that that's <laughs> what I want. You know, I, I don't know. Um, uh-huh. But they hopefully can figure out something. Um, and I will say, you know, because we give we've kind of been on Alan Franco's case here a lot lately because I think he has certainly made mistakes that have cost the team. And we just want to try to, you know, make that as plain as possible. But. I think it's important to highlight that he really does seem to be a, an important figure in this locker room. Like he's a loud voice. He's a happy voice. He's like always like laughing and screaming um, in training, like having a great time during the run in the rondos and everything. So I think that's an important piece of him to contextualize as to, within the squad, you know, is the fact that he's guys like him and mm-hmm. he's, yeah, just like a dependable seen as a dependable guy there. So, um, yeah. Also dependable, Joe Patrick, patreon.com slash five strike final. Plenty of stuff to check out there. We'll have interviews on reviews, video clips, discord, everything like that. Go check it out if you get a chance. The discord's amazing. I learn stuff all the time in the discord, like just from people yeah, posting no, totally. interesting articles. And it's like that's that's worth the five bucks alone, in my opinion. But 
for sure and that's a credit sure. that's a credit to all of, all you guys everybody else everybody else is in because like it's not for me like i'm <laughs> i use the discord kind of like as a fan and a journalist honestly to like help you know form my opinions on stuff so it's uh it's been a great resource and i just have to thank everybody else for that completely agree completely agree uh yeah like i said a few folks came up and said hey in nashville which is oh, good awesome. someone a couple of folks even they pulled off the uh, uh, the the bit I've been trying to encourage people to do when I'm with uh, my girlfriend at games, which is to say really loudly, hey, isn't that the guy with the podcast? Just to let them know that, like, uh, I'm doing something effective with my life. Right. People are actually listening. Every white guy's like, what, what, what? Wait, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the good podcast. Let's clarify. There we go. Yeah. That way. That way only I can look. Um <laughs> Joe <laughs> Patrick, anything else before we get out of here on this one? No, we can we can we can go ahead and and end this misery. All right, let's do it. Bye, y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece. <laughs>